Well, thankfulness is not just for uh, Thursdays in November. Uh, thankfulness is, as Judy said, it tunes our hearts. That practice of giving thanks. Uh, giving thanks and our faith and joy, they all go together. They feed off one another and contribute to one another. And that's what we're going to look at today. Um, and if you don't sort of understand the connection between giving thanks and joy, uh, just do some research. And what I mean by that is go people watching. So Wendy and I were just on vacation, and we were in the airports, and in airports, it's a good place to watch people. And one of the things I noticed was that those folks who uh, said thank you, right, when, when the dialogue or the interaction had a thanks or a giving of thanks, the people smiled, and it was much more enjoyable. But that, those interactions that didn't have thanks, a lot of times they were just, well, business, just doing the business. So it's interesting. Go and see how thankfulness and joy are connected. But as we'll see today, thankfulness and faith are also connected. Thankfulness tunes our hearts to God's grace. And, you know, even army generals, when they want to show gratitude to their soldiers, they give tanks. I got several groans for that one, so I'll, I'll keep that one. Um, you know, so we're in this series called Encountering Jesus, where we look at how um, different people encountered Jesus, and those encounters changed their life. And then we're saying, all right, how do those encounters, how can they inform our own encounter with Jesus today? And today we're going to look at how 10 lepers, 10 sick people encountered Jesus, but one went deeper because of thankfulness. One's heart, as Judy said, was tuned to God's grace a little bit clearer because of thankfulness. And so our scripture is Luke 17, verse 11 through 19. But as we get there, and if you want to turn there in your Bible, it'll be on the screen as well. Just want to point some things out about the context. Is that we're in chapters, in Luke chapters 9 all the way through 19. It's called the travel narrative. That's where Luke has Jesus moving, traveling towards Jerusalem where he will be crucified. And that this, our particular uh, section actually begins a final section where Luke returns to some of the themes that he treated earlier in his gospel, and he returns to them because he realizes, all right, I'm wrapping things up, and I want people to understand how do we interact with the kingdom of God? Who is this Jesus, especially right before he gives his life? Because that's a pivotal change that's going to happen. And uh, Steve did a great job last week setting the context. He did a great job in general, but he had a great job setting the context so that we understand. And by the way, that's one of the reasons why we go through series in, uh, at Second Baptist Church, because I want you to be able to go deeper if you want to. So yes, we're hitting the encounters of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, but I encourage you, go read the whole Gospel of Luke. Read it in context so that you can understand it better because we understand the Scriptures mostly in its context. We can't just rip it out and, and, and use it the way we want it. Rather, we want to see how did the Holy Spirit inspire this text, so that's how we want to understand it. 
And this encounter actually happens before Zacchaeus, but again, it's within that same theme. What does a faith response to Jesus and his coming kingdom, what does that look like? All right, and how do we prepare? All right, so let's look at our scripture. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. All right, let's unpack this scripture a little bit. So verses 11 and 12, it repeats, again, that larger context that Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. And on his way, he's going from Galilee to Jerusalem, and he's on the boundary of Samaria and Galilee. And Samaria was a a place that the Samaritans lived, um, and most Jews would want to go around that because the Samaritans were, they weren't people of faith. They were kind of half-breeds and traitors and heretics, so kind of stay away from the Samaritans. And this group of lepers, as Jesus is traveling, they call out to Jesus, right? But they, they do it from a distance. And the reason is that the word here used for leper can refer to any number of skin diseases uh, at the time, some of them not so bad, some of them severe, but they would all cause people to be unable to go to the temple, unable to worship. They would be um, sort of put out in society because no one wanted to catch what they had. So it was the rules that they had to I mean, basically enforced social distancing is that you have to stand there and, and cry out that you're unclean so no one goes near you because not only would you be unclean and not be able to be in society, not be able to go into temple, but if someone touched you, then they would be unclean. So that's why they were from a distance because that's the rules. If you have leprosy, from a distance you cry out. And they were crying out. What were they crying out? Look at verse 13. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, have mercy on us. What a simple prayer. That's prayer at its most basic level. Jesus, have mercy on me. Have mercy. That is what prayer is on its basic level. They're seeing in Jesus an authority and and divine connection where they can ask Jesus for a merciful intervention from God. So that's what they do. They're crying out to Jesus. And and we can say that same simple prayer today. I know sometimes things seem so complicated, you don't even know what to pray for because there's so many layers of sin, there's so many layers of sickness, and and you know, well, well, is this the best thing? Is this the best thing? And, And we can get confused, but sometimes we make it too complicated. On a very basic level, we just need to cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Have mercy on us. And that's what they do. They cry that out. And what does Jesus say in verse 14? He, he answers them by saying, all right, go and show yourself to the priests. Well, what's that about? Well, the priests were kind of like the, the doctors, the inspectors that 
they didn't necessarily heal people, but they were the ones who would clear you if your skin disease was go- had gone away. So what's interesting is Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. He hasn't, they haven't been healed yet. And yet, they must have some sense of faith because they're like, well, if Jesus tells us to go show ourselves to the priest, let's go. And on their way, they are healed. On their way, Jesus indeed has mercy on them because they're, they're cleansed. And one of them realizes that he, is, he has been cleansed, that his leprosy is gone. And what does he do? He runs back. Right? He runs back to Jesus, praising God, and he falls at Jesus' feet and thanks Jesus, thanks him for that healing. And what's interesting here in verse 16 is Luke springs a little surprise on us. He shares some information he's been holding back, and that is, and this one that returned was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. He, Luke is the gospel writer, is allowing us and, and the original readers and hearers to be assuming, well, all of these lepers, they're, they're probably Jewish like Jesus, right? Even though G- he had told us earlier that Jesus was sort of in between the regions of, of uh, Galilee and Samaria. You know, we're kind of assuming that. But no. And it seems like the other nine, they were at least some of them were Jewish. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said that. So here, we have the one who turned back was an outsider to the faith. And yet he is the one whose heart is in tune with God's mercy. Very interesting. And I think this is a theme that we've seen in the Gospel of Luke many times before. And now Luke is returning to it to emphasize that point. And Jesus, he he highlights that disparity, right? In verse uh, 17, he says, wait, wait, aren't, weren't 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one found to return except this foreigner? You see, the natural faith response to receiving mercy is thanksgiving, right? It, it's to give thanks. It's to, to be happy. But only this one, this one who is considered outside the faith in God's kingdom is showing a kingdom faith, and it's by his actions. And again, it reminds us of the parable of the Good Samaritan before, where when someone asked, well, how do I love my neighbor? What did Jesus do? He told the parable of the Good Samaritan, where the Samaritan was the one who actually showed how to love your neighbor. Here, the Samaritan's the one who actually shows what is, how does thankfulness go along with faith? So that folks who are insiders... You know, good church-going folks who think, oh, yeah, I got this, you know, I've got this handled. These kind of, this kind of turn changes as, wait a minute, it's not, it's not who you were before. It's how are you responding to Jesus? Are you responding to Jesus with faith? So no matter who you are, that faith response is the kingdom response that he's looking for. And we saw that with Zacchaeus. We've seen that throughout. And Jesus says, he says, rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And the word used made well, it's actually sozo. It's some of your translations might say your faith has saved you. So that, that word can mean anything from being healed physically all the way to be having eternal life. But here I think the context suggests, well, it's more than Jesus is saying, you're, you're lep- more than just, oh, your leprosy's gone. You're physically better. 
He's saying, no, you're made well. You are now a part of my kingdom. That restoration that the kingdom of God is bringing, you're receiving that. That's a part of who you are now. That by faith, this outsider, he's an outsider because he's a Samaritan, but he's also an outsider because he's a leper. He's now a part of Jesus' kingdom. And that makes all the difference. His faith in Christ made him well. Now he's a part of the society of the the new messianic kingdom. He can go and worship. He has been made well on many different levels. And we see that what Jesus holds up, now all 10 lepers were made well. All 10 lepers were healed. They'd be all encountered Jesus and received mercy. But thankfulness Thankfulness is what brought this outsider to in tune with the kingdom of God, in tune with God's grace. So as we, now we've looked at, all right, that's what happened. That was their encounter, the 10 lepers. That was the one encounter of the Samaritan leper. And now hopefully we're like, yeah, I understand that story better. But if we stop there, well, we stop there. We want to instead say, all right, that was that encounter. How can that inform my encounter with Jesus today? And I think there's two things that we can really pull from this. Well, there's many things, but I want to focus on two. And that is the simple prayer and the simple response. The simple prayer and the simple response. The simple prayer, Lord, have mercy on me. And the simple response is thankfulness. And when those two things come together, they truly tune our hearts into, to, to God's kingdom, and we live in a deeper and more powerful way, a way with more joy, and then our faith feeds into the thankfulness, the thankfulness feeds into our faith, and that idea of understanding who God is and his mercy is the foundation of all that. So a simple prayer, first of all. Again, Jesus, have mercy. Amen. Lord, have mercy, right? Some, yes, Lord, have mercy. And, you know, sometimes we say that as an expression, but let that be our prayer. Again, there's so many times we're, we're walking around in life and things are, we don't even know how to pray. And again, sometimes you're hurting so bad. Sometimes you're so confused and there's no, like, it seems like a lose-lose situation. Have you ever been in a, a lose-lose situation where you're like, well, if I do this, that's bad. And if I do this, that's also bad. And you feel like, oh, I'm choosing between the, uh, a bad or worse option. And you don't even know what to pray. That's when a very simple prayer, Lord, have mercy. It's a heart's cry that God will respond to. And no bargaining, right? No posturing. Just a humble request for God to intervene. And it's based on who Christ is. It's based on who God is, not based on who we are. That cry for mercy, it's not like, you know, God, I've been, it's not like I'm a Samaritan or anything, so you really should, uh, you know, honor this request. It's based on who God is. It's crying out to mercy because we know God is merciful. And that prayer and that thankfulness, again, it's not based in a formula. In other words, well, if I want to be healed, I need to make sure that I'm quite thankful and I say these words. I have to say the Lord's Prayer. I have to say a Hail Mary or anything like that. No, it's based 
not in a formula, but it's based in the character of God. That simple prayer, it's based in God's mercy. So we can't say, oh, you're not healed, you don't have enough faith. Rather, all 10 lepers were healed, but one, one really was in tune with God. But he still had mercy on all of them. He still had mercy on all of them because God showing his mercy, it's not based on us. It's based on who he is, and we have to remember that. And when we remember that, it makes us more thankful, and that kind of thankfulness builds our faith. It expresses our faith. That's why God's mercy, when we receive it, we give thanks to God. We pray to God, so we're thankful to God, and I'll return to that. And when we encounter God's mercy, then it is to cause us, as we received mercy, then that transforms us, not just to thankfulness, but it transforms how we interact with one another. So we give what we get. If we've received great mercy, then it follows that we are to show mercy in our relationships. And Jesus said that in, uh, earlier in Luke 6, 35 through 36. It'll be on the screens. Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So even though only that one leper truly got got it, was truly in tuned, God had mercy on all ten. And, and the thing is, is when we see, when we, if, if we, in God's presence, when we get to heaven, we are going to be able to see all the manifold ways that God showed mercy on both the just and the unjust. Our minds are going to be blown by, wow, God, you provided this, you, you, did, you did this and that, not just for those good people, but for those people who had turned their back on you. That's when we're going to truly see, wow, how merciful God is. But oftentimes we don't see it in full. But Jesus says here, you know, God causes the rain to fall on the just and the unjust because he is merciful. He is merciful. And so that simple, humble prayer, Jesus, Master, have mercy on me. It's a life-changing prayer. It's a prayer based on who God is. And when we see how he's responded, when we see how he restores, then we're filled with joy and thanksgiving. I think of those, I don't know if you've seen those videos of like people who have been deaf who can't hear or or they're blind and they get a cochlear implant so they can hear for the first time or they get the glasses and they see for the first time and the look on their faces of pure joy. That's because when you receive mercy, no matter in what form it is, the natural response is thanks. And especially thanks to those who helped make it happen. And so if we see God is merciful and we see that he pours down blessings upon blessings, a a key to thankfulness building our faith is to actually be thankful to God. See, there's a difference. There's a difference between a general sense of thankfulness and thanking someone in particular. And our faith tells us that all good things come from God. So when we have uh, plenty of food to eat, when we have clothing, shelter, we thank God. 
When we have, even, and some people are like, well, I'm the one who made the money. Well, God's the one who provided the job. See, he's so merciful, and he pours out mercy on everyone that we can get complacent. He pours out mercy on the just and unjust so we can think, oh, that's just coincidence. And because of that, we aren't thankful. So simple prayer, Lord have mercy. The simple response is thankfulness, right? Because that response that Jesus held up as, yeah, this really shows faith was what? When that person came, praised God, fell at Jesus' feet, and gave him thanks. See, thankfulness, it, it expresses and builds up joy and faith. They feed off one another. But where there's no thanks for that blessing, there's, there's just a fleeting relief. There's just a temporary joy based in circumstances. Right? When you're not thankful. Yeah, something good happens. What hap- then you feel relief. You feel joy, but it's fleeting. But when you feel like God has actually given you that blessing, then there's a joy in that thanks that transcends the circumstance. So even when things might be good for a day, but then the next day they're not so good, you still have thankfulness because you still have the one who gave it to you. You see how thankfulness and and faith are connected. But so many times we forget that to give thanks. And two reasons. One is because we don't see that thing as God's mercy. We don't see that thing as something to be thankful for. One of the things in our culture is we all are so human-centered. We're so entitled that we kind of think, well, no, God, he's supposed to give me happiness, comfort, everything I want. And when he doesn't, we get mad at him. Because that's our due. That's what God's supposed to do. He's supposed to give me this stuff. As if we're entitled to it. And the opposite is when we do have that stuff, well, we're not thankful because, yeah, that's that's supposed to happen. It's the same kind of attitude that I have when I go through McDonald's drive-thru, right? I mean, I'm going through Mickey D's. I order my Big Mac meal, $10. And if it takes 15 minutes... I'm angry, right? Because I paid the money. I'm supposed to get it in two minutes. Now, the converse is true. When it comes in two minutes, I'm like, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. I'm not thankful. That's what they're supposed to do. We have in our culture that same consumer mindset towards God. So that when, he, when we have plenty to eat, when we have shelter, when we have health and all of these blessings, we're not bubbling up with thankfulness. That's expected, because we feel so entitled. But when we see everything that we have as a gift from God, then we start to give thanks to the giver. And you know, some people will say, well, I can't believe in a God who allows suffering, right? As if God hasn't done anything about suffering. But see, the Christian faith says, no, God's going to show mercy because he has showed mercy. He showed mercy on the cross, that God gave us our life, but then he saved our life through Christ, that we don't deserve to be in God's presence, and yet he gives us the life, we waste it, we squander it, we put ourselves at the center of our universe, and instead of casting us out 
Instead of giving us what we deserve, we say we want what we deserve, well, that would be out of God's presence. He gives Christ on the cross to suffer and die for our sins. So why can I in confidence say, yes, God will give mercy, cry out to Jesus, and he will give mercy because he's already done it. So that the, at the, even if, when you cry out to God, if he doesn't heal you on this earth, he will heal you in the by and by. That's the, that's the truth, and that's the, the, the promise. But, and that's the best gift that anyone could receive. But guess what? That stuff is also breaking in today. It's breaking into our world today so that when we cry out for mercy, yeah, sometimes God will heal folks. He'll change lives. Now, we don't know so to know when or how, the timing, but we know he will because he has already done it. So that is why sometimes we don't see God's work. We, don't, we aren't thankful to him because we feel entitled. The other reason is we're not thankful is that we see it just as a coincidence, right? Just a coincidence. So we prayed that God would heal. We prayed God would provide a job. We get a job or we, we, we uh, become well through whatever means. And like, oh, yeah, even though we prayed about that, we think, well, it was just coincidence. It's just coincidence. That's why one of my pet peeves is, you know, folks will ask for prayer. And so I will pray for them. But I will pray for them to God. Right? I'm praying to God, the one to give mercy. I'm not sending prayers to them. Okay, that's my pet peeve. Sending prayers your way. Uh, I'm not, they don't, they're not the object of my prayer. God is. Because I know God's the one who will have mercy. See, our faith dictates that, yeah, God is the one who provides. So that, um, you know, if something good happens, oh, it's not like a buildup of karma. It's not like a video game. If enough people pray, look, your health bar increases. It's not like that. <laughs> it's, it's rather we pray to God and we know that he's merciful. We know that he gives both to the just and unjust. So whether you're a Christian or not, if you ask me to pray for you, I will pray for you to God, knowing that in his mercy, he may pour down a blessing upon you. And one of my prayers is always in that they would see it and that those folks would understand that, God, you gave this gift. You gave this transformation. So we need to understand that when we're truly thankful, we pray that simple prayer to God, Lord, have mercy, but then we're thankful to God because he's the one who's given the blessing. And so that's why we need to build thanks into everything we do. If, if you're a Christian and you're not been feeling a lot of joy, try building thanks into what you do. And thanks to God. Remember, when we pray, we're not just giving a laundry list to God. We're rather a big part of our prayers should start out with thank you, God. God, thank you for. And then think of all the ways God has answered your prayers. It's a wonderful way to start your prayers out. So start prayer with thanks. Start prayer, even today, before you even um, lay your head down to sleep. If you, maybe you say your prayers. Switch it up. Say, no, today, Lord, I am going to count my blessings. I am going to say thank you for this. I'm going to say thank you for that. I'm going to say thank you for allowing us to gather as a body of believers. And I am going to list all of the blessings you've given me. Try it. I know for me, it totally changes my perspective. 
when I actually say, no, I'm going to thank you, Lord. So even sitting, uh, you know, when, when McDonald's says, oh, now go, you know, in the drive-thru, go, go park over there. And you park there and it's 15 minutes. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you that I could actually spend $10 on a meal that does no nutritional value. Um, <laughs> when, when there are people in the world that, that live on less than $2 a day. So I'm able to spend $10 on this, and this would feed someone for a week. Thank you, Lord, for your abundance. Thank you, Lord, for your abundance that I could sit here in my car. Thank you, Lord, for your abundance that, that I could even have the breath to, to breathe today to go into this place. It totally changes our mindset. It fills us with joy as opposed to the norm. What's the norm? Oh, man, they are so slow. And then that fills us not with joy, but with anger. You see, that's why thankfulness, it's like it, it tunes us into God's grace. It brings great joy. So build that thankfulness into your prayers. And that's an important practice. All right, I'm going to thank God. Before I ask him for something, I'm going to thank him. But I'll just tell you now, that's a baby step, okay? It's good. Let's do it. Let's make sure we thank God for all of these blessings. But I just want to, I want to be straight up with you. That's a baby step because the Bible gets into some pretty heavy stuff. Things like, count it all a joy, my brothers, when you suffer various trials. What? A joy? When I'm going through difficulty? I can thank God in all circumstances. How in the world can I do that? I can't. But with God's power and his spirit, that's when I see things differently. That's when I can actually do that. But again, baby steps, baby steps. Yes, that's a whole different sermon. We want to get to that place where we can thank God in even the bad circumstances of life, knowing that God is even in that circumstance, that he can show mercy, not just by taking the circumstance away, but by being in present in that circumstance and transforming us. We understand that. But that's another sermon. But let's just start with baby steps. Baby steps of saying, God, I'm going to just start thanking you for the small things. And then that will then bring us to a new place. If you keep a journal, write down every day. Write something that you're thankful about. Again, this, it's contagious. This tunes our heart to God's grace, thankfulness. And that's what the, the, that one leper who was cleansed, again, what, what was the big difference? Thankfulness. And that thankfulness we saw in his joy. So tell someone also, if God has done something, tell somebody. Tell somebody why you're thankful. Thank God and testify to that person because that person may be going through a difficulty and seeing your joy and your thankfulness to God will remind them about God's goodness. And then that person, again, it's contagious, that person will start thanking God. That person will start feeling a little bit of that joy. So yes, thank God, make sure you express it to God, but share it with others as well. And so be that one. It doesn't, be the one who returns to God, returns to Jesus, falls at his feet, and says thank you. It doesn't matter that, you know, when you say, well, most of the people, 90% of the people didn't feel like they needed to go back. Who cares about the 90%? Be the one. Be the one who walks in joy. Be the one who's thankful to God and receives his joy 
and has that life-changing experience where you go deeper into the kingdom. Be the one. Be the one of thankfulness. And let us be, yes, we're second Baptist, but we can still be the one. We can still be the church that, that's full of thankfulness. That whenever we gather, we say, I'm so grateful to God, even if it's difficult. We can still thank God in the circumstance, and it'll bring great joy. And so I want to, we're going to go into a time of prayer, and I want just a moment where we're silent, and I want you to thank God for something. Okay? Again, you don't need to yell it out, but I want this time of silence. I want you to thank God for something. And then we're actually going to, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. We're going to observe what some traditions call the Eucharist. And, you know, Eucharist comes from the Greek word eucharisto, which means to thank. It means to thank. So before we get to that, let's just have this moment to thank God. God, we have so much to be thankful for. And you hear, you hear now, Lord. We raise up the thanksgivings of our hearts. And we pray, Lord, that as we go into this time of communion, this time of Eucharist, Lord, that we would be full of thanks for what you've done. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.